You are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 1067. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, and Jaws in the studio as well here on your Friday afternoon on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. We appreciate everybody joining us throughout the week and wrapping up your work week strong with us. The number to call, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Find Levi and I on Twitter at Point Gardner at Levi Fitzwater. Jaws, tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter. They can follow me on Twitter at Intern Jaws. Well, you're a former intern. Former intern. You graduated. I like the handle. handle. (laughs) It's how you branded yourself. Let's get into the meat of our show today, gentlemen. Auburn football adding a late signature to its 2021 recruiting class, boosting them up well into the top 30. I believe Auburn sitting at number 27 overall in the team rankings as they land running back Jarquez Hunter out of the state of Mississippi. Kind of a low-profile recruit here, but I think there are a lot of people that think this is a solid commitment coming to the Plains considering the lack of depth at the running back position. Yeah, I don't know anything about Jarquez Hunter. I'm not going to sit here and act like I do, but... He's five foot ten, 190 pounds. He's a body. He is he's, a body. He's a running back body, and that's all I care. I see a running back that's being added to the roster, and that's all I care about right there. I'm going to be I'm gonna be honest. I'm kind of surprised that the number 12 player in the state of Mississippi had not committed uh yet so especially to a mississippi school yeah i know uh but you know it's like like levi said just another body in the running back room happy to have him you know i want to tell you guys body wise who this guy looks like coming into auburn carry on johnson stands at five foot eleven this guy jarquez hunter stands at like five ten and a half 190 that was carry on johnson coming into college now i'm not saying this guy's going to end up being carry on johnson and carry on johnson had a much higher high school resume coming into the collegiate level but just saying body wise he looks like a running back it's not like auburn went out and got somebody who doesn't fit the mold if you watch his highlight reel he's explosive i don't know if the highlights that auburn tweeted out earlier really showcased great change of direction but I think the guy showed explosiveness and the ability to hit the hole and once you got him out in space he was faster than everybody else on the field with him now of course that's high school football but he was faster than everybody else out there yeah I'm looking at some of the highlights right now he kind of reminds me of Nick Chubb and the way he runs a lot of a lot of upper body strength not exactly like the fastest guy on on the field like you said watching these high school highlights he's kind of outrunning everybody but it's high school um, I believe he ran an 11.04 in the 100-meter dash. So not the fastest guy on the field, but he definitely does have some speed there. Um, I would say he's bit a bit more of a power back compared to Carryon Johnson, but the frame is there. Unfortunately, in the highlights, we don't get to see him truck over somebody, right? I, I want to know what this guy can do creating his own space. That's how you evaluate running backs. 
you know, once you once you reach a point of contact, once you get to that second level after what your offense has done for you, once your offensive line has done for you, how do you create your own space? Oftentimes, the illustration that, I, that I've used over the years, of course, Jatarvius Whitlow, no longer an Auburn Tiger, but, you know, going into 2019's Iron Bowl, you know, you're talking about the two running backs, Jatarvius Whitlow and Najee Harris, and I'm thinking Najee Harris is turning a average running backs three or four yard gain into a seven to eight yard gain or more Jatarvius Whitlow with the same hole is a is a four yard gain right that's how you separate yourself as a running back is what one running back would do is four yards on the ground someone else can turn into eight or more because of their skill set and their ability Tank Bigsby's a great indicator of that this offensive line didn't always do him favors but once he reached the point of contact once he reached that next body that got in front of him he always seemed to find a way to create more space for himself and that's why at one point he was leading the country in you know yards after contact or breaking tackles per game right I mean this guy was absolutely insane and that's a big that's a big thing when it comes to running backs it's literally the when you average about you're going to look at around three yards per rush on a good day that's what you want but a great running back is going to get those extra few yards just from being able to hit that just at that point of contact, be able to either fall forward, make a make a move and get away from him and get more yards. You saw it a lot of times with guys like Tank Bigsby this past year, Alabama fans. You saw Najee Harris do this where he had he if he if he didn't already have the space, he made the space and it turned a three, four yard gain into an eight to ten yard gain. Jarquez Hunter coming in as the Mississippi Mr. Football in Class 5A. So he's accrued some accolades for himself coming out of high school. He's obviously going to put up a ton of yards at that level, and that's a big reason why he's finding his way to a Division I FBS SEC program such as Auburn. Auburn just needing a body to fill out that room. How do we evaluate this backfield for Auburn moving forward? We know who the starter is. We know who the big dog is. That's Tank Bigsby. After that, though, you got three running backs to go through with Sean Shivers, Devin Barrett, and now Jarquez Hunter. I'm curious to see, and going into A-Day, we're not going to get to see Jarquez Hunter. I'm curious to see how this coaching staff evaluates the two running backs already on the roster or if they decide to go out and get a transfer out of the portal to maybe come in and be a number two. Honestly, whenever I look at this backfield, I'm kind of happy with the versatility that we have. Tank Bigsby, kind of like that all-around guy. Devin Barrett, I would argue, is more of kind of like a speed-receiving type back. And with Jarquez Hunter, if he does get to play, I feel like he is more of that kind of power back guy just based off of looking on some of his film. But Auburn needs an experience number two. So I would expect them to at least look at the transfer portal before they kind of settle into fall camp. I would like to see Auburn go after a grad transfer running back. Not sure where we would get that guy from, but definitely something to look for. I I agree with that. I like the versatility that they bring. I also like the fact that there's just three guys who can come in. I think Sean Shivers is at least experienced enough to really – he can hold down a two-spot in terms of just a veteran leadership, and he's been on the team for a while. You've got Devin Baird, who's also been on the team for a while, obviously hasn't played running back. The whole time he's been there. I want you guys to give me a grade here. Let's go one to five. We won't stretch this out as high as one to ten. Five being most likely, one being least likely. One to five here, give me a grade. How much of an impact do you think Devin Barrett will make moving back to running back this year? I give it a 
two and a half. Okay, Give so you're, a half. You're, you're literally splitting hairs. You're right down the middle, all right? All right, I'll go three. I, I, was, I won't <laughs> ride the five. I was, I was, was going to go three. I think three is about, it's about right. I think he's going to make an impact. Will he make the greatest impact? I don't think so. That tells me you guys don't know. and Nobody knows. Exactly. That's we the don't true know. answer. Nobody knows what's going to happen with Devin Barrett and how this coaching staff is going to evaluate him. I was high up on that guy coming into Auburn. You look at his body, he looks like a running back. He obviously possesses athleticism. He ends up on the defensive side of the football being a cornerback or, or a defensive back. He also has played wide receiver. He's ended up on special teams. I think he's blocked a punt in his time at Auburn. The guy's got athleticism and versatility, and he can do a lot of different things. Even the way that Auburn used him in 2017, they used him in a versatile way. They had him catching passes coming out of the backfield I wonder how this coaching staff is going to evaluate him moving back. They don't really have any film on the guy at running back. They barely have any from 2017, if they can even go and find that, which I'm sure they've got that on file somewhere, right? But the, Devin Barrett's going to have a, a completely clean slate going into 2017, or not in 2017, going into this spring for 2021, considering the last time he's played running back was in 2017. It's almost like Auburn did kind of get a grad transfer there at running back with Devin Barrett. Yeah, well, he kind of got lost in the fold in 2017. I mean, I feel like him getting kind of lost on the depth chart is a product of the Malzahn era. We would see so many times Auburn bring in these either highly touted guys or like four-star prospects, and you would think that they would eventually get to see the field in some type of way, and then Malzahn would move them to another position and you'd never hear from them again, and then they'd transfer. Uh, with with a guy like Barrett, I'm really excited to see how he's used in A-Day. I really want to see what he looks like on the field because, again, we don't really have a whole lot of film on him. We don't really know how he's going to be used. Um, so I'd really like to see him get a lot of touches in A-Day so we can kind of get a feel for what his role is going to be. You know who the star is going to be? You know who the workhorse is going to be out of the backfield? For sure. Lance, coming back from lunch today, I said to you, you know, I'm going to be pretty upset if Tank Bigsby's not a 20 to 25 touch a game running back and I and I use the word touch there because I do want to see them throw the ball out of the backfield to Tank Bigsby I think he has a lot to give Auburn in that in that style of play I would love to see him get 20 carries you know and you know three or four targets a ball game as a pass catcher and get his touches up in as far as a football game to that 24 25 range as a running back I think that would be a solid thing for him and for this Auburn offense to possibly try and build around the guy maybe maybe build around Bigsby instead of the passing game what say you guys do you think it's more important for Auburn to build around the running game going into this year or possibly what they've got with Bo Nix and more of a undetermined wide receiving core well as far as Tank Bigsby as a pass catcher goes I mean we saw it in the Georgia game whenever he kind of had a breakout Auburn would throw it to him in the flat and he'd almost kind of make some Alvin Kamara moves he was very very efficient in the passing game great comparison I would love to see Tank get more involved and kind of expand his route tree not just to kind of like run into the flat let's get him to run some Texas routes let's try and get him in the middle of the field create some space I would like to see Auburn develop more around the passing game this year especially the short and intermediate kind of stuff I'm going to cut your mic off because you elite, you stole exactly what I was going to say. The Alvin, Kamara com, the Alvin Kamara comparison is spot on for Tank Bigsby, in my opinion. And I think it's important that Auburn heavily influences the run. I, you got to establish the run, and I think that's going to open up the passing game. I think it's going to help. Focus on your best player. Get Tank Bigsby involved in the running game, and then let that open up your passing game. But also get the ball to him in space. You said it best. Out in the flats when Georgia, it just seemed like – seemed like he had all the space in the world. You have one of the you have a guy who is just 
eking talent, just so much talent coming from this guy. Get the ball to him in every way possible. I, I like what you said. I think 20, 25 touches a game, if he's not getting that, I'm going to be upset because I think that's what he needs. I think he absolutely needs to have those kind of touches a game for Auburn to have a competitive offense going into SEC play. I'm curious what happens for Auburn after Tank Bigsby on the depth chart and A-Day will give us a look at what this coaching staff evaluates this running back room as. You know, who is the number two? Is it going to be Sean Shivers? That's the most film they've got on any of these other running backs outside of Tank Bigsby between Shivers, Hunter, and Barrett. Obviously, they have tons more film on Shivers over the past two years than they've had on Barrett at running back over the past two years. They have no film on Barrett over the past two years. So you think that going into A-Day, Shivers for sure has the edge on Barrett, even though Shivers has been playing running back for the past two years. People might get mad at me for saying this because Shivers is a fan favorite, and I'm not knocking the guy. He plays hard. He runs hard. If he didn't try so hard out there on the football field, he wouldn't be as effective as he is. I love the way he runs. I love his attitude out there on the football field. Auburn needs guys that run mean. And finally, they've got two that run mean. It it felt like for years leading up to this season that Auburn did not have a consistent running back that ran mean. Whitlow just didn't feel like he had that anger holding the football. I have not felt an Auburn running back run mean since carry on Johnson and Johnson was a different type of running back he wasn't a bowl you over type of back but I won't forget the time that he threw a guy out of the way in the A&M game in 2017 carry on Johnson had some spunk to him as well as a running back he may have had some finesse like tendencies and in it with his jump cuts and his ability to hit holes and his and his balance and his juking ability but he also he had some power to him as well I'm curious how this coaching staff evaluates Sean Shivers in comparison to Devin Barrett who Devin Barrett may look a little bit more like your prototypical running back as opposed to Sean Shivers. Now, that hasn't sh- that hasn't stopped Sean Shivers at all in his career, but it, it, it's kind of interesting. Shivers is going into what is probably going to be his last season at Auburn, and he's going into that last season at Auburn yet again, having to prove to another coach, to another coordinator, to another scheme that he fits at that position. Well, with a guy like Shivers, I mean, you talk about Bigsby being able to catch out of the backfield, and you saw what the amount of times Auburn would go to Shivers on third down and it would be a negative loss or it would be a negative play or it would be a one or two yard gain on third down, like a a little throw out in the flat to Shivers. He did not have the same special touch that Bigsby has. Now, whether or not that's Malzahn's fault for putting him in that position to kind of make a difficult catch in a difficult play in a difficult position, uh, that's not for me to judge. But again, like you said, can Shivers fit better into this coaching staff scheme we'll just have to see more of on the line on the other side of this break we'll be back in just a moment you are on the line with noah gardner and levi fitzwater we'll be right back big auburn news all over the place basketball news there was some baseball news yesterday auburn taking on Ole miss tomorrow team war tampa of the basketball tournament Adding another Auburn player to the mix. Ooh. Malik Dunbar going to play with some of his former dudes out with Team War Tampa. Just saw that on Twitter. About 24 minutes ago, they announced that. That's hype. And Team War Tampa going through a name change as well. So they won't be called Team War Tampa anymore. I think they're fully embracing the Auburn roots because that roster is going heavy Auburn. What's another Auburn basketball player that you guys would want to see go to that team 
Uh, we don't know what they're going to be named in the future, but but what's another Auburn player that you guys would want to see play with Team War Tampa in the basketball tournament? Purifoy announced earlier, didn't he? He he also announced that he would be on the team as well. Oh, right? really? I believe so. Yeah, that one's not as big as as Malik Dunbar to me, but who's already confirmed on the team for next year? Like who's already like all? Confirmed I'm sure on it's that one? I'm sure it's all the same, same guys ones. from from last time. I'd like to see Deshaun Murray come back, and then I'd also like to see McCormick on the floor as well. That would be a lot of they fun. They do to need see a point McCormick. guard. Yeah. Their 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 play in their one game that they got smacked in, you could tell they didn't know what was going on. They do need a point guard. That was rough. As much as I don't like They didn't have Javon a point McCormick. guard on that team that was capable of of running the offense. Mm-hmm. It's it, almost it, like Auburn basketball this year before Sharif Cooper came it, along. But much, much worse because <laughs> they they were disjointed in playing in the basketball tournament. Got sent home right away. House I want to see Horace Spencer. Would, or wasn't he already I, on the team? I would love to see Horace Spencer. I was, don't, was he I think already? he was on the team, but we didn't really get to see him play that much. I don't That's right. Like. I think he was playing on the team, and we didn't get to see him that much. Horace would, Spencer's the you know the hype guy. Yeah. The guy who's going to block your stuff off the glass and get everybody amped up and in a frenzy. Some other Auburn news today. Tyrone Truesdale and Grant Loy announcing that they are going to use the NCAA's free year of eligibility and play an additional season with the program in 2021. Tyrone Truesdale, I didn't say this on the radio yesterday, but I was literally thinking about Tyrone Truesdale yesterday. I was like, is he coming back? Because you and I, Levi, were talking about Lee Hunter, and I said Lee Hunter going to probably have a good shot to slide in at nose tackle this upcoming year. Auburn doesn't have a whole lot of guys on their roster that can play nose tackle, or at least are a good fit at nose tackle. And what you're looking for out of a nose tackle is someone that's north of 300 pounds, uh, they're, they're a defensive tackle, obviously, if you are putting them in, you know, the 4-3 look. But now you're in the 3-4, and they're standing, or not standing, you know, obviously hand in the ground over center, and they're north of 300 pounds. They're a disruptor. They do all the dirty work for you. They make things ugly on the inside. They don't have a huge stat sheet, but they could do some damage. They're your Dontavious Russells. They're your Montrevious Adams. Just egregiously large human beings. And Tyrone Truesdale... It's like the only guy off this Auburn roster who fit that bill, and now I'm happy to see him returning. I think this is big for the Auburn defense. He may have not have been overly productive, and I really don't think he was that good this past year, but Tyrone Truesdale is going to fit into this defense very well. Well, I'll tell you what's some, something that irked me about the Gus Malzahn era is that he would always put players in positions where they didn't play. We kind of got to see that last year with um, – defensive linemen playing offensive line simply because Gus didn't have the ability to recruit guys that could actually play the position you're talking about Alec Jackson and Tayshawn Manning that's right former low three-star defensive tackle commits yeah so whenever you're you get a guy like Truesdale coming back to actually play his position at nose tackle and not to get some kind of replacement or have a true freshman come in and try and start at that position I feel like it's great I feel like anytime you can add depth especially on the defensive line you're getting something going Especially for the fact that we didn't have anybody who really fit that mold. Right. Like, there was just not a guy that you looked at outside of some of the incoming guys, like maybe Lee Hunter, that you thought, yeah, he could really play this. So, this is huge, at least from just a depth, like just a depth perspective. It's not the fact that Tyron Truesdale was that productive last year, but man, it's good just to have another guy that you could sit there and go, you know what? He at least looks like he should be a nose tackle instead of slotting some guy in there who may or may not really fit that position. At least not yet as far as your body is concerned. Like, you are the disruptor. You are the wrecking ball in the heart of the defensive line. The nose tackle is such an important position in the 3-4 defense. It is where all chaos begins. 
in, in that interior, and it can really mess up a, ru- a running attack. If you, on the other side, on the offensive line, they don't have a good center, or or if the the center and the guard, whichever one, is opting to double team that position if they're running inside zone, if if they are not on the same page, it can get ugly on the interior. And Truesdale, oftentimes throughout his time at Auburn, has been billed as this you know massive human being that that is super strong this like superhuman like strength you know and and that is what you're looking for at nose tackle I don't know why things haven't worked out up to this point especially with the way that I I expected Truesdale to develop under Rodney Garner it never felt like he reached his full potential based off of all the physical attributes we've heard about Tyro Truesdale there's still work to be done this offseason it's not just enough that you fit the physical mold there is still work to be done there with Truesdale but I just think this is a big deal for Auburn from a depth perspective on the defensive line I think Auburn's defensive line over these short two weeks maybe and of course I'm I'm excited to see how they line up on a day excited to see what that depth chart looks like and excited to see what Nick Easton could do with them from a development standpoint quickly because he's done this before at the Tennessee Titans, he helped them transition from a 4-3 front to a 3-4 front. He's done this before. This is on his resume of changing a defensive line's scheme and philosophy and moving guys into some new positions and helping them develop. I'm excited to see what some of these defensive linemen that are coming back, like Truesdale, like Wooden, Walker, all of these guys that maybe showed flashes at times but didn't do it with consistency across the year. I'm excited to see what they can do this season in a full-fledged 12-game year under a new defensive line coach there's some new energy inserted into the room and then oh by the way some of these recruits coming in like Lee Hunter he's going to try and get on the field defensive line is traditionally a position that you can see freshmen get onto the field because literally this is your goal go get the guy with the football that's it get into the backfield make things ugly it's not that complicated it's easier for freshmen to get on the field from a from a cerebral standpoint there's not as much to have to pick up in the game of football on the defensive line and then also a guy that Auburn brought in for extreme amounts of experience and what he was able to do at Northwestern Eku Leota is another guy I mean this defensive line has moved from what I thought was one of the was one of the worst position groups on Auburn's football team to now being in a position where it could possibly turn into a strength for Auburn next year they need the front seven to be back that 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 is what helped this Auburn defense be so good under Kevin Steele up until last year and the defensive line is going to make the defensive backfield better because they don't have to be in coverage as much everything centers around what this defensive front can do this next year and I'm excited to see how it lines up on a day something that I have a question about is you we expect Derek Mason to bring in a 3-4 scheme that's what he's going to run correct Sure. I think that's what we're all expecting. Nobody's actually ever confirmed that they will be moving to a 3-4, but look, there's cookie crumbs all over the place that Auburn's going to be moving to a 3-4. You just you follow the trail on recruiting and follow the, the hires that they've made. It feels like it. So let's assume then that Derek Mason's going to at least play a lot of 3-4. With Auburn bringing in all these different defensive linemen, is Auburn going to be able to generate a pass rush with only three down linemen? I think so, and it's a different type of pass rush. Look, the 3-4, those defensive ends are typically more associated with being run stoppers. They typically are associated with being larger, bulkier defensive ends that are obviously playing on the inside of the tackle, not on the outside of the tackle. Right. Those defensive ends tends up, uh, tend to be bull rushers, not as much finesse, not as much speed rushers. They tend to be 
you know, going, you know, straight at you and pushing you into the backfield. You're Miles Garrett types if you're looking for somebody in the NFL. And of course, he came from a Texas A&M defensive line that was also out of a kind of a hybrid 4-3 and a 3-4 scheme. He's played everywhere. I mean, you could put Miles Garrett out on outside linebackers. Maybe he's not the greatest example because he can also speed rush you too. But oftentimes what you see Miles Garrett do is push his tackle straight into the backfield. Auburn, I think the way the defensive line looks right now, I think it will be. I, I look at a guy like Zykevis Walker, who has played on the inside some. I look at him as a guy that maybe you could put at defensive end because of his of his experience in the inside. And I already evaluated him throughout last season to show his effects as a, as more of a pass rusher than a run stopper. I, I could see him being able to create some chaos from the end. He's someone that I want to see what he looks like in year two of full playing time. Leota, Leota's played everywhere. He, he has played in you know six seven different positions on the defense and of course that's that's me also saying you know right and left wherever it is on the line so you know both outside linebacker spots right. inside and outside on defensive end whether it's four three or three four Leota's a guy who I think brings that to the equation you just look at his body he looks like somebody that can go bull rush on you I think so I think Auburn will be able to do it with the three four front but you also have to consider in college specifically in college not not as much so in the NFL because in the NFL outside linebackers in an NFL 3-4 scheme are a little bit more balanced they're called upon to do a little bit more in coverage than maybe you see in college these outside linebackers for Auburn are going to be pass rushing too that's why they went out and got Joko Willis yeah that's that's part of the 3-4 scheme that, that they run as well it's a lot of linebacker pressure as well in terms of run stopping and pass rushing a few weeks ago when we were talking about ranking the position groups and we all we both had the defensive line pretty low now there at least looks to be potential it seems like this position group can really it has a lot of potential it looks like it can put it together and put together a formidable pass rush and I know someone if that happens who's going to be happy it's going to be all those Auburn defensive backs because so many times they got made to look like fools because they got stuck in coverage for way too long they had all the time in the world and they were doing great coverage great coverage out there but you can only do that for so long before someone breaks off a route finds a hole and just gets open and that's I know this Auburn defensive backfield is going to be excited if this D, this D line for Auburn you know kind of puts it together and really forms a formidable pass rush think about how good Auburn was at stopping number one receivers in the SEC last year now imagine the year before last year la- this last year think about okay. how many times Auburn shut down the Elijah Moores, the Kayshawn uh, Boutes, I believe, from LSU is how you pronounce his name. <laughs> there you go. Um, Arkansas. Ferguson didn't really do anything against Auburn either. Burks, right. Imagine how much better that's going to be with a pass rush. Sure. It's going to be good. Oh, by the way, Grant Loy said he's coming back too. You don't want to talk about Grant Loy? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he'll be Auburn's number two next year. Demetrius Davis might take his spot. We're talking to Christian Clemente on the other side of this break here on On the Line. You don't want to miss that conversation. Stay with us. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, and Lance Jaws Dahl. Joining us here in the studio today on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Headed to the phone lines now. Joining us on our show today, as promised, it's Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com and the Auburn Plainsman. Christian, how you doing today? I'm doing good. How about yourself, Noah? 
I'm doing great. I hope you had a good week up to this point, but it's probably just gotten a little bit better that you've hopped on with us on the radio. Uh, it's been a packed week here in the Auburn sports universe. Obviously, Bruce Pearl's press conference is something that you've just actually left. So kind of take me through the high points of Bruce Pearl's press conference here today. Yeah, Bruce just noted the fact that, you know, Ole Miss is a team that's always going to be tough to compete against because of the defense that they play. You know, Ole Miss is coming off a win over Tennessee, which is a pretty big win for them. And it's going to be a tough matchup for Auburn. They've kind of always struggled with Ole Miss, kind of like, Pretty much just about every team does. So he's expecting a tough matchup in Auburn Arena tomorrow. Where do you think this Auburn team is at going into this Ole Miss game after what we saw on Tuesday night against Georgia? You know, I don't know how they're going to respond to Georgia, but I don't think you're going to see the same, or the Georgia loss, but I don't think you're going to see the same Auburn team that you did on Tuesday. That was just, I think that game was kind of an anomaly in the sense. They just didn't really look ready to play, and Bruce said it after the game. They looked a little slow. They looked a little lackadaisical. They just really weren't there on Tuesday night. And that's not to discredit Georgia, because Georgia did play very well. But Auburn just didn't really show up. I do think they are going to show up against Ole Miss, but I'm just not sure how that defense will – I'm not sure how they'll be able to work against that Ole Miss defense. What's the big issue right now on, on the defensive side of the basketball for Auburn at the moment? Obviously, they, they are the top shot-blocking team in the country, literally number one in the nation – in blocks per game but on uh, as far as points allowed per game are con- is concerned Auburn's like 284th after that Georgia game what, what what's going wrong for Auburn on that side of the floor yeah I mean they're just getting they're getting beat off the dribble pretty consistently just about everybody Shreve Cooper even Alan Flanagan who's one of the better defensive guards in the SEC and in the country pretty much everybody on that team is getting beaten off the dribble and then the reason they're leading the league in shot blocking is because guys are penetrating to the rim so easily. And then if they can't get a shot off or if they can't get a shot block, guys are getting second chance points against Auburn and they're struggling to get rebounds. So all around defensively, they're really struggling. Um, I would expect them to be better against Ole Miss, but part of that is just because Ole Miss isn't a great offensive team. So, What's the path to victory for Auburn against Ole Miss on Saturday? path to victory i think they're just going to need to show they're going to need to just show up i think they're simply a better team than old miss and if they just show up and play with a little bit more energy than they did against georgia i think they'll be fine they'll struggle with the defense of old miss a little bit obviously but i think just simply put they're a better team so if they just show up and play with some more energy than they did tuesday i think they'll be fine yeah, it certainly doesn't seem like this Auburn basketball team is uh, is less talented than a lot of squads in this league. I would agree with you. A lot of it is energy based, and you know, I know some of those guys were saying that they didn't take Georgia as seriously uh, the second go around, maybe as they did the first time because of how well they handled them at their place. This Auburn team, looking at about I think eight more games left. You're looking at eight more. Where do you think this team finishes over this last eight game stretch? And those SEC standings when it's all wrapped up. Yeah, I think I think they've got the talent and they've got some tough matchups left. But I think realistically they could go five and three or six and two in these last couple of games and finish towards the upper echelon of the SEC. I think it's realistically possible. I think they'll beat Ole Miss and they play Vanderbilt. They'll beat Vanderbilt. I believe their next game after that would be a trip to Rupp Arena, which. That'll be tough, even though Kentucky's not what we're used to this year, but I think they can pull that one off. 
They've still got games with Tennessee and Florida, but both of those are home. So I would give Auburn a fighting chance in both those games. And then they've got Alabama as well in Alabama, which will be difficult, but it's a rivalry game, so you don't really know what to expect there. But I do think they could realistically finish in the upper echelon of the SEC. And in order for Auburn to do that, I mean, look, these past few games for Auburn, Auburn has not been able to get good production from their two guard in Alan Flanagan and both Jamal Johnson. Whenever you look at a guy like Flanagan, who is obviously capable of being an offensive threat, I believe he scored 24 against South Carolina just a week or so ago. How do we get Flanagan going heading into this back of the season stretch? You know, I think Bruce Coleman needs to get Alan Flanagan calmed down a little bit. This is going to sound a little crazy, but I think Alan Flanagan is trying just a little bit too hard. There's a lot on his plate right now having to play point guard, which is just something he shouldn't be doing, but it's something he has to. And I think he's just trying to do a little bit too much. I think Bruce needs to just kind of tell him, you know, play your game, do your thing. And you'll see Alan Flanagan from earlier in the season, who was realistically looking like one of the most improved players in the SEC. And now he's had struggles as of recent. But I think think if Bruce just gets him to calm down, he'll be okay. So I'll give you a fun one real quick. We were talking about War Tampa earlier. Is there a guy that you would like to see, former Auburn player, go play for them with the news that Malik Dunbar is joining the team? I would love to see Samir Dowdy playing for War Tampa. I think think Samir is a really fun player to watch. He plays with a lot of swagger, so I would love to see him on that TBT War Tampa team. And after we watched them over the summer, they could use another ball handler too. I mean, that's a guy that could play in any position one through three, I feel like. And he can play on the ball, he can play off the ball, he could shoot it, he can drive it. They definitely need some help in that category. You could probably slot in and play some point guard for them because they need that pretty bad. Let's switch over to the football side of things. Obviously, we were graced with the news today that Tyrone Truesdale and Grant Loy are returning to the Plains. Let's talk about Truesdale. This feels like a grad transfer-like addition for an Auburn defensive line that wasn't great last year. But this season, I, I think they're definitely on, on the upturn with some of the recruits coming in and also with the transfer of Echo Leota. How, how big of a deal is this that Tyrone Truesdale is returning to the Plains? You know, I do think getting him back is a big deal, but I don't know if it's that big of a deal. I think he'll be good in that Derek Mason 3-4, and it'll really help solidify the D-line. But they already had some guys that I really like along the D-line that could play defensive tackle that would have been back. Um, so I'm not sure how big of a deal Tyrone Truesdale is, but obviously having a veteran is big. So him coming back will be big, but I, I don't know if he'll be the starter. I like, I like some of those guys behind him a lot more. I like Jay Hardy a lot. He was injured his freshman year, but he'll be back. I like Dre Butler. I like Marquise Burke. They just have a ton of talented guys. I don't know if they have a ton of Derek Brown, but they have a lot of talented guys. Moving forward for this Auburn football team, let, let's look at signing day. Just one question here, kind of a thousand feet above of it, and then we'll kind of transition into this new Brian Harson era because it it felt like Auburn on Wednesday was closing the book on Gus Malzahn's era completely because a lot of those guys are his recruits. They're not Brian Harson's. What is your opinion of this recruiting class that definitely appears to most to be underwhelming? How did Auburn do on signing day compared to uh, people's expectations? Yeah, I mean, on paper it is overwhelming, but when you look at the situation, I don't really think it's all that bad. You still brought in some talented guys and some guys that the staff thinks they can really develop. They really like Caden Bridges. They like Juwan Gaston, those two defensive backs that are three stars. I think both those guys could be very talented for Auburn. And I think overall, just given the circumstances, you really could not have expected much more in this recruiting class. So I think for Brian Harson, 
and his staff overall this recruiting class is probably, I wouldn't say a pretty big win, but it is a win. And I really don't think you can start judging Brian Harson is recruiting until 2022 and maybe even the 2023 recruiting class with how recruiting works nowadays journalists are always asking questions that's what you're supposed to be doing and so my question here to you then what is the the question for you as a journalist going into a day you know we've got about a month and a half until the spring game and obviously we don't have the date on that yet but what is the big question for you about this Auburn football team over the next month and a half as we move into the future Biggest question. My biggest question would, I mean, it's been the issue for so long now at Auburn. My biggest question would probably be, where's the offensive line at? Will uh, new offensive line coach Will Friend be able to coach them up and get them playing a little bit better? Will maybe a guy like Killian Zaire, who was out his freshman year um, with that ACL injury, will he be slotted in somewhere along the offensive line at one of the two tackle spots? So I'm really curious to see how the offensive line plays because – at the end of the day, that's what's really holding this Auburn offense back. So they need to get that figured out quick, fast, and in a hurry. So we'll get a sneak peek of that today. day Could there be a shakeup there on the offensive line? Uh, I think there could be. I mean, I would expect to see Nick Brahms back at center, Chandra Jones at probably right guard. Brandon Council will be back. I don't know if he'll be back for A-Day coming back from that injury, but he'll probably be back, I would assume, maybe playing left guard, uh, Right tackle, Brodarius Ham, and then left tackle would be up in the air for me. It could be Alec Jackson again. It could be Killian Zaire. Maybe Brodarius Ham moves over to left tackle and Brandon Coffey plays right tackle. I think those two tackle spots are really still up in the air. And Brandon Council could play tackle, too. He played a little bit of tackle during um, his first few games at Auburn before getting, getting hurt. I think the only real, really solidified two spots are Nick Brown starting at center and Keandre Jones starting at right guard. Everything else, I think, could potentially change. Christian, I appreciate you taking the time to hop on with us today. Tell everybody where they can find all the content that you're putting out. Yes, you can find me at auburnsports.com and uh, theplainsman.com, along with me on Twitter at cclemente underscore. Appreciate it, my man. I hope you have a great weekend and, uh, and a good evening tonight. Thank you. You too, Noah. That was Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com and the Auburn Plainsman giving us the lowdown on what's going on with Auburn football, Auburn basketball. Tigers taking on Ole Miss tonight, or not tonight, excuse me, tomorrow. <laughs> Lance, you just gave me a look. You're like, tonight? Am I missing something? You're right. I don't know. This ain't the midweek. This is the end of the week. We've all been through it, right? What's the biggest takeaway maybe that you guys had from that phone call? Well, I think the most important thing for for Auburn going into tomorrow um, like Christian talked about with with Flanagan, you know, I'm really curious to see how he finishes this season as one of the leaders on this Auburn team. Flanagan's got to be able to get it going on the offensive end, and I feel like he is trying just a little too hard. We'll be wrapping up the first hour of on the line on the other side of this break. Stay with us. Don't go anywhere. On the line on Fox Sports Central Alabama. On 98.3 FM and ESPN 106.7. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, and Jaws in the studio today on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. 
Head to ESPNAU.com or the ESPN 106.7 app to enter your score prediction of the big game between the Chiefs and the Buccaneers on Sunday, February 7th, for a shot at $50,000, courtesy of the Orthopedic Clinic, Pepsi, and Johnny Brusco's Pizza. If you aren't able to take home the grand prize with your score, second prize will take home a 50-inch smart TV from Rick's Audio Video Appliance. ESPN 106.7 has your chance to win $50,000 during this year's big game. Get all the details and enter today at ESPNAU.com or the ESPN 106.7 app, all brought to you by the Orthopedic Clinic, Pepsi, Johnny Brusco's Pizza, and Rick's Audio Video Appliance. Before we wrap up our number one here on On the Line, let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. A new episode of Shark Tank with some entrepreneurs believing they can keep your belongings germ-free. Good luck. Shark Tank on ABC at 7. The third installment of the Bourne series is on AMC at 7 with the Bourne Ultimatum. Over on BBC, head back to 1984 with Ralph Macchio and the Karate Kid on at 7. Aliens launch an attack on the human race. Battle Los Angeles is on IFC at 5.30. A look at the live sports schedule for tonight in college basketball. It starts with Maryland at Penn State on FS one at six also at six akron at kent state on espnu and george mason at dayton on espn2 moving to eight we have two games monmouth at manhattan on espnu and boise state at nevada on fs1 in the nba you can catch the action with two games on espn at 6 30 raptors nets and at nine celtics clippers i'm noah gardner and that's what's on tv tonight wrapping up our number one here of on the line and lance you had a fun a fun stat or a fun tweet that you found. Tell everybody about it. Yeah, so I was looking through Twitter yesterday, and as it turns out, Pro Football Focus actually has Tank Bigsby as the number one returning running back in college football in 2021. And like we were saying over the break, you know, obviously Pro Football Focus values being able to create yards after contact it's something that Najee Harris was able to do so well it's something that Tank Bigsby was able to do incredibly well in his freshman season at Auburn and obviously uh, pro football focus valuing that here uh, came away with the fifth most most broken tackles per attempt in the FBS Um, highest grade third highest graded ball carrier actually in college football last year behind Javante Williams and Khalil Herbert, before actually getting injured against Tennessee, should have broken 1,000 yards last year. Could Tell have easily... everybody where those running backs were from. Let's see. Khalil Herbert, I believe, is from Virginia Tech. Javante... Oh, I thought you had those in front of you. I'll look them up then. Javante Williams, I want to say, is from... Khalil Herbert is Virginia Tech. And yeah. then who was the other one? It's Javante Williams. Okay, we'll look up Javante Williams as well. Yeah, I think it's Javante. He is. Yeah. He is North Carolina. So, so talking about Tank, Tank Bigsby over some of these other guys, let's look down the list. Deuce Vaughn of Kansas State at number two. Kennedy Brooks of Oklahoma at number three. Brian Robinson Jr. of Alabama. Jerion Ely of Ole Miss at number five. And then Brees Hall, who I believe led the nation in rushing yards in 2020 at number six. Brees Hall's a beast. And let me tell you, again, why I believe he's so far down, as, again, as we were talking about, Brees Hall didn't really break a lot of tackles. I feel like he was more of that power back kind of guy, kind of just like getting to the middle, get seven or eight yards every time. Wasn't really explosive, wasn't really elusive. Um, but you see these guys who are more elusive higher at the top of the list. And with with Tank Bigsby coming back this year, 
even though Auburn's picking up, you know, they've got Shivers or they just picked up Jarquez Hunter, he's got to be the bell cow back. He's got to be the bell cow back in more than one way. We were talking, I believe, in the opening segment about how can we get Tank Bigsby the ball 20 to 25 touches a game, and it's got to be more than just running it up the middle. He's got to be able to get out in the flat. He's got to be able to run some Texas routes, get him involved in the passing game. So I feel like Tank Bigsby, I don't know if I would put him at number one over Brees Hall, but he certainly deserves to be in that conversation. Here's the interesting thing about Brees Hall. Brees Hall has been an All-American for two straight seasons. He was a unanimous All-American, the first unanimous All-American in Iowa State history last year in 2020. Deserved every bit of it. As you pointed out, he's leading the country there in rushing yards. He's tearing it up, and he's doing it at Iowa State behind an Iowa State offensive line. Now, granted, Matt Campbell gets the most out of every single one of his players, but this guy's going above and beyond the call of duty. And I don't know what PFF, what some of their metrics take into account. I know to a degree what PFF is going to, and I really like PFF. I really like looking at their metrics because they it, 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 I don't think it's the be-all end-all statistics are not the be-all end-all eye test is very important obviously PFF puts an extreme emphasis on statistics and metrics that they generate based off of evaluating what happens throughout a football game and oftentimes what helps these running backs get to the top is their ability to create their own space and they quantify that with quantifiable statistics they do that with broken tackles you know yards after contact they do it that way and take Bigsby there's a reason why he's at the top of that category because he was having to do a lot of that last year maybe more so than some of those other running backs on that list Deuce Hall another guy that, that you were watching during the break that you, you're just like man his, his his tape is just stupid I'm not gonna lie I'm good I my Kansas State football watching last year was slim to none and i watched this guy i watched highlights during <laughs> that the break. says a lot for you man because we, we were talking during the break you know you're you're mr rollo over here and when we say rollo we mean nick rolovich washington state hawaii action hey well hawaii is on at one o'clock in the morning on a saturday night you're gonna so you're watch watching that it. you're gonna get on with some run and shoot action baby that's all what that's all i'm about let's go hawaii hawaii's been one of my favorite teams to watch like the last oh, two I or three it. years you know there's 90 percent of people who don't even know what the run and shoot offense is they're they're a uh, long golden-haired quarterback kind of looked like Trevor Cole, Lawrence and Cole McDonald Cole McDonald look up baller. look up look up Cole McDonald before he went to Hawaii and then when he got there he looked like a California kid just you know typical swooshy blonde hair he goes to Hawaii he gets the dreads he's got the long hair <laughs> he fully embraced what Hawaii was I don't know how we we stirred to my you know second favorite team in all of college football in Hawaii but man Deuce Vaughn I was watching this man he looks like baby tiny Christian McCaffrey he just looks so small, elusive. Just wait, there's a smaller version of Christian McCaffrey. Oh, he is this kid's impossible. Oh, there's this a, guy, a, this guy is little, tiny. This guy a is little tiny. version of Christian McCaffrey. Yes, this guy is tiny. Wow, this guy is smaller than Christian. He was tiny too. He looks smaller than Christian McCaffrey. I think maybe though, with the Brees Hall thing, maybe they evaluate the defenses he's playing against. Maybe they they put that that's as a knock. Against, they put that as a knock against Brees Hall, Bigsby and that's why was he's playing down. against the best. And the Brees Hall is playing against. I say best, but I actually think the SEC defenses this year were horrendous. I think oh, the yeah, Big Ten bad. probably had the best defenses in college football this past year. They were all better than Big Twelve. We can acknowledge sure. they were all better than the Big 100%. Twelve defenses. Vaughn is five foot six, actually. Believe it or not, they have oh. a five foot six running back as the second best running back in the country. That's, that's hype. That's Don't, hype. Never tell me the odds, right? Quote <laughs> Han Solo. And that's Sean Shiver's attitude, too. And, you know, that's how we started the show today. Take Bixby, though. Get some love there by pro, by pro football focus. I'm, I'm assuming you saw that on their college account on Twitter. That's right. And yeah. then I, had, I went and uh, read, the, read the article that they put out. Okay. 
Tank Bazemby's going to be a beast next year. I, I, I'm, you know, second year under Cadillac Williams tutelage, obviously brought in by him as a recruiter. That's the big thing that we've talked about with Cadillac Williams that's on his resume. That's the thing that he, he holds his hat on, that he brought in Tank Bigsby and had this one beast year of Tank Bigsby. Let's see what year two looks like. Uh, a player sees the biggest jump in his development and in his skill set from year one of playing to year two of playing. Guess what? Next year's year two for Tank Bigsby, and you could see a huge dump. If you're, if you're comparing him to Brees Hall at all, Brees Hall, you know, he had a huge jump from freshman year to sophomore year, and he's been an All-American for two seasons. Let's see if Tank Bigsby can get on some of that action. You stay on with the action that we're putting on the radio right here. On the line, we'll be back for hour number two on the other side of this break. You are on the line, live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Oh yeah, hour number two of On the Line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater and Jaws in the studio with us on Fox Sports Central Alabama and on ESPN 106.7. Fun hour number one, we got into some talk about Tyrone Truesdale returning to that defensive line. Also Auburn adding Jark West Hunter. On the recruiting trail, Tigers got another body in that running back room. It's been a fun show today, and if you've missed any piece of it, go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. you ever miss a show, you can find it, once again, wherever you get your podcast. Phone lines are open, 334-321-1390, or toll-free at 888-382-7502. We want to hear from you. Anything on your mind in the sports world, we will talk to you about it. But to start off hour number two, I want to get us up that uh, a graphic on the ESPN 106.7 Twitter account, at ESPN 106.7. And, and Jaws, I'm going to put you on the spot here because this was created by you, and I think that this is magical. Obviously, we all saw maybe, and if you didn't, Penn State posted a graphic today that said a Penn Stater has appeared in every Super Bowl, and every Super Bowl is in, like, giant font. And then underneath <laughs> it, it says, except for five since 1967 and like really fine print underneath it Ooh, they were trying to hide that fine print underneath it right and i think that's hilarious and of course that has prompted graphics like that in the arts in the art of meme all across twitter and, and across the social media universe and uh you know you look at it we decided to jump in on the action and, and ours says since 1980 georgia has won every national championship and then in the fine print, except for the ones that they didn't, which they haven't. So, boom, drop the microphone. That's awesome, my man. I'm kind of proud of that graphic, actually. It kind of <laughs> looks, it looks pretty good. It, it looks does. Like it looks really they good. Would, they would tweet. <laughs> so go and check it out on ESPN 106.7, at ESPN 106.7. That's kind of funny. We talk about that, you know, a day later after Levi and I went in on the Georgia program, saying it's not a big deal that they signed the third overall recruiting class. It's, it's really not that big of a deal that they signed that because what have they done with it lately i mean kirby smart is a coach that has brought in these recruiting classes year in and year out and they have not done anything with the talent they have i mean kirby smart is the is the coach in college football that has done the least 
with the most amount of talent probably when you're talking about recruiting I me mean, ryan day nick saban and Dabo Swinney, they're at least doing stuff with their recruits kirby smart well they're beating cincinnati and some new year's six bowl games you can't even get in to that college football playoff with consistency but we're gonna head to the phone lines once again the number to call 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 on the line with us now we got ty the tiger how you doing today my man Oh man, pretty good, pretty good, man. I'm I'm guessing um guessing they had a lot of Taco Bell bags handed out in uh, Georgia this past couple of days, huh? <laughs> well, why Taco Bell? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, I, you know, Tennessee's McDonald's. But I figured they was running for the border over there. <laughs> 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 but uh, anyway, you know, I uh, I'm not too upset about the recruiting class. I mean, you know, you had a guy come in. Um, you had other, I mean, we didn't, we didn't keep a lot of our heavy recruiters that was on the staff as far as Gardner, T. Will. I mean, I know we kept Cadillac. Um, that's probably why we signed the kid out of Mississippi. I mean, um, my question to you guys is I think this year the best, um, the best ability we have to maybe get a little bit deeper team is the transfer portal. Is when is that like um, deadline cut off? I'm not wasn't too familiar with that. There, there really isn't a deadline. Like it, it's kind of almost like free agency, and it's a wild west out there this year because you could have guys committing to places over the summer. And, and now, unfortunately for right. Auburn, they they got to it pretty late. Like this year's was even more of a, a dramatic difference in the amount of players in it than typically i mean there was a lot of players in it this year and a lot of those guys have already committed like an example at running back michigan's running back zach charbonnet he's already committed out west to ucla that's somebody that maybe auburn wouldn't have gone and, and looked at a running back from up north but you know there are other players high profile players like him that have, have pretty much already made their decisions where they're going it's, i know um i remember big cat has come out and said tennessee but then retracted is he I mean, you know, when I, I I was thinking he might be one of the ones that could come back. Um, I, I haven't heard anything out of him lately. Is he as he said where he's going to land? I haven't seen anything about Big Cat Bryant either. Uh, that that's you know, and there's also talk about Dylan Brooks possibly trying to get out of his national letter of intent with Tennessee. A lot of people not happy with what's going on at Tennessee right now. That that were supposed to be a part of that class. And then obviously we saw what Tennessee did with the Oxford receiver rock taylor pulling out the offer from underneath him but that that created a lot of ill will amongst people inside that tennessee recruiting class and then probably moving forward too so you know big cat big cats out there i think dylan brooks is trying to be out there there's possibilities yeah. for auburn to go and pick up two guys right there on the defensive side of the football that would pole vault this class inside the top 20 well i did like the um kid we picked up for montgomery man he's a dog man he plays uh you know he's a he's a baller. So he you know he's a three star, more of a punt returner, cornerback. But I mean, if you watch any of his highlights, I mean he's just a ball hawk. He's all over the field and he can run the thing. I mean, I, I like that 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 pickup. We picked him out, I think from South Alabama. Um, well, there was Caden uh, the Bridges, day. and then there's uh, and then there's Juwan Gaston. They got two guys that can do that at the safety position as well. We, I, one of them was from Montgomery Carver. I can't right, remember that's what Gaston. Gaston, yes, that's him. I, th- I think he's going to be one of those uh, surprise ones. Um, and you know, I was thinking. Um, so if 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 a, if a kid graduates this this spring, he can also uh, transfer as well in the summer. 
and that's another another possibility I think for Arson to get some. I, I ain't putting too much stock into like again, you know, top thirty, great. You know, some people are freaking out. Ole Miss has a better class than us. Well, yeah, but they didn't last year with Lane Kiffin's first year, and that's all. I mean, that's where we're at now, you know. And so I'm not next year if we're in, if we're not in the top, you know, fifteen, and we're still looking outside. Then yeah, I get be worried then. But I think I think we're gonna be all right, guys, and we're gonna it's gonna be exciting, man. I think you're going to see a lot of different fight from this team, more more or less than just the talent they put on the field. I like what you said earlier. I mean, Gus just showed that he couldn't recruit an offensive line to save his life. He even had to get the big defense tackles over there just to fill in a hole. I mean, just just that that's where I think he fell short. Still love the guy, but man, come on. But anyway, guys, wish I was prediction on the basketball game this weekend. I man, I'm gonna hang up and listen. War damn eagle. Appreciate it, Ty. Be sure to call back and uh, don't be a stranger. Once again, that number to call, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Once again, thank you to Ty out there, my man. Looking forward to hearing from you again. Levi, you had something before we get into basketball? I just want to say, can we talk about how great that name is? Ty the Tiger. Please call back. I just love that name. Ty the (laughs) Tiger is back. I love that name. God. Uh, real quick before I go back to basketball something I want to get on with recruiting here Auburn is up to 27th now nationally according to 24-7 sports composite still not exactly where you, want, where you want to be at but I think he hit the nail on the head there when he said you know this year it's not a big deal that Auburn finished 27th this season it, it, it would be if they did it again next year you know and you start piling up class after class where Auburn's sitting outside that top 15 top 12 range but you do it one time it's not a big deal. The thing about Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Arkansas, and all them, they do it with consistency. Auburn's just got one class. If you can find a couple of dogs out of this class, you're going to be just fine. And I think there's I think there's enough of those guys in this class. Juwan Gaston, I'm excited about him as well. I think he could really fit in at Nickelback and play a similar type of role as maybe Javaris Davis did. Seems like he's got some athleticism. Seems like he's got some speed. I know Javaris Davis played on the outside. Uh, he may have even played he played a little bit of nickel too he was he was somebody that moved around the defense backfield a little bit but when I'm talking about speed and being able to go from one end of the field to the other end of the field and just genuinely being able to tackle as a defensive back Auburn desperately needed that Auburn was not very good tackling on the perimeter so excited about Juwan Gaston and Caden Bridges both coming in they added two uh good tackling defensive backs now on into college basketball and what we got going on this weekend against Ole Miss he asked for our prediction on the Ole Miss game I say I think Auburn basketball is going to bounce back this weekend I think they're going to play with a lot more energy I think the Georgia game for for you know lack of a better cliche they they you know it was a wake-up call it was it, it, it rang their bell a little bit and they're like oh yeah we, we maybe we can't walk through this and that's kind of weird to think about with Auburn when they're sitting at 10 and 9 right now overall and they're and they're having to be they're having to be reminded that they just can't do everything easily but things did get a lot more easy when Sharif Cooper came out there and started playing for him I do want to say this about Ole Miss and it's something that I believe Christian Clemente brought up earlier Ole Miss has had our number oh, the yeah, entire often. Bruce Pearl tenure oh yeah the entire Bruce Pearl tenure. most frustrating team to play in the SEC do you remember whenever we hit a season low whenever we played Ole Miss just a couple of years ago we scored 55 points at home we lost 55 to 60 to Ole Miss Kermit Davis has our number I believe though I believe with the way that this Auburn team is trending Auburn has to win this game and they will bounce back this Saturday against an Ole Miss team that's averaging 63 points a game in conference play I mean I don't think Ole Miss has enough offense to keep up with Auburn if Auburn can play a little bit of defense at the rim Auburn's gonna win this game big Ole Miss is one of the 
if not the worst. I mean, the Vanderbilt and A&M is still sitting there at the bottom, but Ole Miss is one of the worst offensive teams in our league. They're averaging under 70 points a ball game. They're at about 68 a contest. Now, of course, their defense is really good, and I'm not just saying that. This is one of the better defensive teams in our league. You look at KenPom.com, and these stats don't lie. These stats do not lie. This is all about efficiency. Ole Miss is coming in at 17th in the country and defending their own rim. So Auburn cannot take a night off against this Ole Miss team. But what has changed since the last time Auburn played Ole Miss? Sharif Cooper's out there. Yeah, Sharif Cooper's out there to help Auburn be able to pick apart this defense. Going into that Ole Miss game last time, I told you, Levi, I said, this is a nightmare matchup for Auburn without a point guard. Without a point guard, that game, and we watched it unfold. They looked at times. Looked horrible. They just looked so stagnant and bad on offense. and. That it's probably Auburn's worst game of the season that they've played. Yep. Oh, for sure. I, I agree with that. At least from just away. It looked just so disjunct. It looked so bad. It just There was no rhythm. The, Kermit Davis had the defense playing outstanding against Auburn's offense. To go off what you said, one of the worst offensive teams in Ole Miss, you know what will fix that? You play Auburn's defense right now. So I, Auburn's defense has to step up. This is an <laughs> inferior offensive opponent you got to make a stop. Quit letting people drive to the rim. you got to go out there and just be a dog. you got to show show some pride and actually defend someone. That's That's been their story all year, turnovers and bad defense. Stop you, you, falling for pump fakes, y'all. Please. I know, you, I, know you, I know you like to get all the shot blocks, but, man, just quit falling. Quit jumping. Quit leaving your feet every time someone pump fakes. Quit letting people blow right by you and drive to the basket. I wonder if the blow by. I wonder if the. I always mess up when I said this. I wonder if the blow buys are correctable for this Auburn team moving forward. Some of that could just be you just you're not that you're not that good at moving your feet. Like, <laughs> some of you it can, can be that. effort. You can you can work on moving your feet. You can do drills to fix that if you really want to. But, some of it is an effort but thing. do they but do they want to that's the sure. issue like do they i think want they to? do I, I wouldn't call out this team's character or anything this team does uh, they, not have any quit they don't, in they don't have quit in them at all no they, you i don't think go. we've seen them quit at all this year now i was underwhelmed by their effort and their energy against georgia earlier in the week i was very disappointed with the defensive effort and i called it out on twitter i said look if this team's going to go anywhere next year if they're playing in the postseason next year and say even sharif cooper's back next season the difference between auburn being a sweet 16 team and being a Final Four or National Championship caliber team next season with all that talent coming in is how committed they are to the defensive side of the basketball. So it is super, super important for Auburn to uh, to, to get into that mix next year and improve on that side of the basketball uh, for for the for this Tiger team moving forward. So I, I'm not I'm not super convinced on their defense for this season. I want to see you know what adding with a couple of studs will do on the other side and maybe having some more urgency with what to play for but uh i think this Auburn team is going to be in a position next year to go to a national championship but it all comes down to that defensive side of the basketball i agree jabari smith will definitely help with rim protection i believe you bring in a 6'10 guy that can move he's 6'11 talking about he's kevin durant-esque talking about moving your feet that guy can get up and down the court i think he's going to help us both on the offensive and defensive end tremendously Ole miss last time out beat tennessee 52 to 50 like a lot of teams are beating Tennessee lately. They're five and four in conference play after starting out non-conference. So confusing. undefeated. Yeah, I mean they're just they're, the most inconsistent team. I wouldn't say they're inconsistent anymore. I, th- I think they've I think they've borderline fallen apart no, from what they Kansas. were. They beat Kansas last Saturday. Yeah. Kansas is Whatever. not what they were. Kansas, yeah. This is not a good Kansas team this year. So, oh, someone's on my side over here. <laughs> the Baylor fraud train over here. I got a, I got another person who says the Big Twelve is a bunch of frauds. I wouldn't go that far, but we got another caller on the line. We'll get to him on the other side of this break. Stay with us here on On the Line.
You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, and Jaws on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Let's head over to the phone lines. Phone lines are open, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Walter White, appreciate you staying patient on the phone with us through the break. How you doing today? Hey, doing, doing very well. Hey, by the way, I like your show. Appreciate it. Thank you. Glad glad, glad it's on. Um, hey, um, there's two reasons why I'm rooting for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this weekend, or Sunday, I should say. Uh, Jamil Dean and Carlton Davis. There you go. Yes, we, we tried to talk about that a little bit yesterday, about uh, the, the matchup they're going to have against Tyreek Hill and Mecole Hardman. Yeah, my only concern is those two are the big reason why Tampa Bay is going to lose. Carlton Davis gets eight up every game. He gets stiff arms so bad. I mean, he make, he'll make a good play here or there, but... I mean, I'm like, wow, every time it's like it, it just hurts to see him get eat up like that. You know, I, I think he struggles more against receivers that are finesse like Tyreek Hill, the, the really fast, great route runners. And that was never really Carlton Davis's thing, even in college. If Carlton Davis mm-hmm. could get his hands on you within, you know, two or three yards of the line of scrimmage, good luck because he was going to rough you up yeah. all game long. And, that's a big part of why he was able to, you know, for all three matchups this season against the Saints, he was able to shut down Michael Thomas because he could get his hands on him. I mean, he even hurt Michael Thomas, too. So He also had a high ankle sprain. Let's not forget the fact that Michael Thomas was dealing with a I high thought, ankle sprain. I thought sprain. Carlton Davis did that to him, though. Carlton Davis didn't do anything. <laughs> Carlton Davis. I'm, I'm, me and Walter are best friends now. He can join me on the on the hating Carlton Davis uh, bandwagon over it, here. It, it, it. It's not that I hate him because I, I want the best for him because he's an Auburn guy, right? right? But I also feel like, you know, I, I mean, hey, look, I don't know. Maybe it's because he's playing the best receiver every Sunday. Sure. And, and and like I said, a part of that's just the fact that he's he's a little bit more physical, I think, than what you're accustomed to. But both of those guys have been really good at coming up with, like, big plays for the Buccaneers this season. There's been some big interceptions that both of those guys have came away with at some key moments. And so, you know, they've just, you know, especially in a Super Bowl, an interception can make up for yards and yards and yards. I mean, you look at that Patriots-Seahawks Super Bowl, and the Seahawks are on that one-yard line, and, and all it took was a pick to make up for those yep. for that entire drive, just and run, it ended them. Just run the ball. <laughs> hey, 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 maybe the unsung person, and I'll hang up after this, that wins the MVP would be Carlton Davis with a couple interceptions. That would be awesome. There you go. Hey, I like that. Levi does it because he's a Saints fan and he's going to hate everything that comes out of that division. But, you know, <laughs> if they're, if you're an Auburn fan and you're looking for a rooting interest in this Super Bowl, the Buccaneers have got it at cornerback. So I, th- I think you're hitting that spot on. All right. Thanks. Appreciate it. Walter White calling in on the show for us. Once again, phone lines are open 334 321 1390 or toll free at 888 382 7502. We want to hear from you. Yeah, Super Bowl talk. It's coming up this weekend. We've talked a lot of Auburn football. You guys, let's get into it right here then with the Super Bowl. I think that's a great lead in. I'm glad he talked about that. Uh, I'll start with both of y'all. How do y'all think the Super Bowl will go down? Real quick, I just want to say about Carlton Davis. He did do the smoke Monday against Green Bay. He kind of got lost there and then he got mossed that one time uh, against, I believe it was Valdez Scantling. 
Um, so he had a bad game against the Packers. I'm not going to cover it up. He I had a bad game. I'm not he's surprised a, he had a bad game. He's a bad cornerback. He, I no, feel like he's, he's a not. decent cornerback. He just has moments, and I feel like he's going to get his Look, shot. He, he's a B cornerback in the league. Right. He's a B. Uh, like, that's fine. C. No, he's fine. D. C. He's a C. F. G. H. Okay, anyway, moving on, Super Bowl talk. I feel like Tom Brady has been incredibly turnover What prone. just happened? I don't know. We're practicing our alphabet, man. We're, we're working on it. I'm working on it. Uh, Tom Brady, incredibly turnover prone this postseason. He's been able to get bailed out by that Tampa Bay defense. Don't think it happens against Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes. I see the Chiefs winning this one. I don't think back it's going to be back to back. I don't think it's going to be incredibly close. I think it'll be a nine or ten point game. So we're going picks here? Sure. Let's do it. I've been sitting here thinking about this, wrapping my head around this all week long. Where do I go? What do I think is going to happen? I think I finally landed on my pick. I think it's tails. I think the coin toss is coming up tails. I know the old saying, <laughs> heads always shreds. Bets. There you go. But tails never, never fails. fails. Remember that when tails happens. But to be serious, I do think that the Buccaneers will be up by 10 going into the fourth quarter. I think that Patrick Mahomes flips that switch that he always does, and the Chiefs end up winning this with some kind of late hero antics that they love to do. Let's break it down matchup by matchup then. I mean, you look at it, I think Mahomes is a better quarterback between these two, but then how do you quantify Tom Brady's cerebral approach to the game? How do you quantify his leadership by all metrics, the Buccaneers, even the Buccaneers were hampered by coronavirus, by injuries. Buccaneers were not supposed to go this far no. in the playoffs. No. They ran know. through some of the best teams that the NFL had to offer. They went through the they went through the Saints, they went through the Packers, and now here they are. But even in that first round, and you picked the football team to beat them. I was about to say, don't forget, they went through the football team. Right, that was tricky. The football team gave them the best game. The football sure. team gave them the best game out of all of That's them. True. <laughs> And so my thing is that this Buccaneers team is, is, is very battle-tested. They haven't looked great in any of the games that they've played, but they've done enough. I mean, they almost blew it to the Packers against the Saints. It's not like Tom Brady threw for a billion yards and Neither. a billion touchdowns. He just didn't turn the ball over, and that was the difference in that game. He was just better than Drew Brees. He, he was. just didn't, he didn't look as old as Drew Brees looked. That's literally what comes down to that game. So I don't know how we evaluate Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes into this because how can you quantify – his mental approach and his leadership where I feel like he still has just the edge on Patrick Mahomes but Patrick Mahomes is beginning to show his ability in that category as well and what he brings to the table I think he's you know once Tom Brady leads the leaves the league he's that guy Uh, 100% Patrick Mahomes would have run it in for a touchdown on third and goal unlike a certain Aaron Rodgers I believe I believe Patrick (laughs) Mahomes would have laid out there and gotten that touchdown he's sneaky with the football like you don't think of him with his running ability forget his toe injury he's getting in what he did in the playoffs last year yeah he just scampers around like he it's so and it doesn't look like he's running fast he doesn't look like he's being deceptive he just somehow will scramble out of the pocket and end up with 15 20 yards I don't know how that happens I don't know what my prediction is. I'll keep going through these these matchups here. Running back, I think the backfields are pretty pretty comparable. I'll, I'll give it to I'll give it to the Bucks if Ronald Jones plays and sure. Leonard Fournette. Now you saw what he did against Green Bay that one touchdown run. Mm, that was that was smooth. <laughs> it's he's vintage. Still, it's yeah, vintage Leonard Fournette. He's still overrated. Ronald Jones is a better running back. Oh. Let's yeah. talk about the lines here: offensive line versus defensive line. In the case of Kansas City Chiefs versus the Buccaneers, offensive line of the Chiefs versus defensive line of the Bucks. I think that that Bucks defensive line is really good. It's I loaded. It's, it's really good. It's loaded. Healthy. It is loaded. It's getting healthy. I mean, talk got, about the front seven in its entirety. Devontae David's a great linebacker. I mean, they've got it. Devin White. Yes, Devin White's played the NFL in tackles so far this postseason. The Bucks overall have the better defense, and I think that sure. is what 
I think that is what will take them into having that lead in the fourth quarter that I'm predicting. I think that they're going to give Patrick Mahomes some fits as much as you can. I mean, he's still going to get his. It's Patrick Mahomes. They're still going to get it. I think the defense keeps the Bucks in the game, but then Patrick Mahomes eventually just turns that on. It's, it's, it's but Patrick Walter, Mahomes. But Walter hit a very valuable point. What, that Carlton Davis is bad? I wouldn't say that. He's not bad, but I think he's out. <laughs> I think he's outgunned. I think he is definitely outgunned going into this game against Tyreek Hill. Lance, you said it too. You look at those receiver court. The, the difference in this football game will be the Kansas City Chiefs receivers against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers secondary. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers secondary is not horrible. It's not. It's fine. But I don't think that they have the right skill sets to be able to properly contain Tyreek Hill and Meikle Hartman and the way that offense is constructed. They're physical in that secondary if they can't get their hands on Tyree Kill and Mecole Hardman good luck because those guys are going to get open and Patrick Mahomes will find them on the other hand though I think the Buccaneers do have the edge running the football secondary play though looking at these two defenses I like the Chiefs secondary more than the Buccaneers which was where I was going with that original point I like the Chiefs secondary which could be enough with the ball hawks they have back there I mean Teron Matthew can do it and like I said in that phone call I said, look one pick is enough to make up for all the yards and obviously I made that comment about Carlton Davis being able to do that and he's came up with some big interceptions but Tyron Tyron Matthew look he's honey badger the guy's still doing it you got to be able to think about the 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 comparison between these two receiving cores think about Brown and Mike Evans and then compare that to Tyreek Hill and Michael Hardman what's the difference speed Kansas City has so much more speed than Tampa Bay does everywhere everywhere and I think with Andy Reid's offense his game plan, he's going to come out and put on a show. So are we going like cross the board, Kansas City Chiefs here? Is that I mean, what we're doing? They're I'm going at, Chiefs. They win at tight, Chiefs. They win at tight end too. I mean, I didn't want the Chiefs to be back in the Super Bowl because I didn't want to see somebody repeat. You're not supposed to repeat in Super Bowls. As long as it's not the Patriots. I like Patrick Mahomes as a person. I'll take the Chiefs. I'll take them for the next two years. I'll take them for Pete. I'll, I'll be okay with it. I'm playing a dangerous game. <laughs> we're playing a dangerous game counting out tom brady i'm just tired like of professional sports having the same teams win over and over again i know the lakers did it this past just, year in the nba but before that i was really getting tired of the golden state warriors i'm, I'm so glad that dynasty died <laughs> i'm so glad it's over i mean i'm not t- i'm i'm not i'm a little tired of the chiefs but i'm more tired of the buccaneers i can't do that and i'm, I'm worried that we're just too much with brady don't count him out. Don't count him out. That's what I'm saying. He's going to be. Well, leading. that's why it's going to be a close game. It's because of his leadership. I mean, I, I I was watching. I think I was watching the herd with Colin Coward yesterday, and they and they mentioned there was this there was this point. I think maybe it was Levante David that they were talking to possibly, and and somebody was crying after the Buccaneers, you know, won the one of the NFC championship against the the Packers, and they said they were going to, you know, they're believing, you know, hey, we're going to the Super Bowl now. Ah! you know everybody's you know there's a dude crying out there and tom brady looked at him said why are you crying this ain't over yet and it's like that that's like that's next level like i'm thinking to myself that's so true and that's the difference going into these football games that can make up for any lack of athleticism any lack of skill as a certain man by the name of tom brady and his approach to the football game mentally the effect that that has on a team to be able to carry them through maybe a couple of deficiencies in comparison to the Kansas City Chiefs. I loved that quote, though. Why, what are you crying for? We're not done yet. That's the Kobe Bryant job's not finished mentality. That's what goats do. Job's not finished. We got one more game. I, I, I kind of want that quote to be on a T-shirt. Why are you crying? We're not done yet. <laughs> that can be taken so many ways. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> 
So uh, we'll be moving on here into the, se- uh, into the second half of this final hour of On the Line. We'll be back in just a few moments. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, and Lance Dahl here in the studio on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Auburn basketball taking on Ole Miss tomorrow. Phone lines are open, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Tigers, Rebels tomorrow on ESPN2 at 3 p.m. That'll be where you can catch that game on television. 10-9, Auburn team, 4-6 in the SEC going against an Ole Miss squad. 9-8, 4-6, essentially Records-wise, the same teams going into this. But let's get into another edition of Crunching the Numbers with Sting here on your Friday. We try to do this segment every time before an upcoming Auburn basketball game. Sting, how you doing today, my man? I'm doing great, Noah. Thank God it's Friday. That's right. I'm, I'm, and I, you looked relieved coming in today. You plopped down on our couch at the office. And you're like, ah, and you got your laptop out and you got straight to work. And I know you're excited for this segment. So let's get into crunching the numbers with intern Sting. What do you have for us? All right, so you guys kind of stole a few of my numbers here a couple Sorry of segments ago. Yeah, I'll never forgive you. <laughs> yeah, Ole Miss is, of course. <laughs> we'll we'll never forgive the Astros. Yeah, yeah well, you know what? Well, I, I did. Wait, don't, don't speak for all of us. I, I'm, I'm on his side with this. I support, I support institutional cheating as well. <laughs> yeah, so, of course, Ole Miss is 17th in defensive efficiency, according to Kim Palm, which I thought was surprising. And I think uh, Jaws over here said that Ole Miss has totally had Auburn's number, at least with Kermit Davis. Yeah, Ole Miss has won 13 of the last 18 against Auburn. Man. That's not a shocker in, whatsoever. Including 10 in a row at I, one point. Even when Andy wow. Kennedy was there. Even when the, Andy Kennedy was there, he was tearing it up. And now look at him at UAB. He's dominating Balling. UAB. They're like only a two-loss team. The UAB team looks dangerous. Yeah, for sure. So and so Auburn and Ole Miss are both tied at four and six in the SEC. And I thought this was really interesting. It's really a clash of styles here. And oh, Ole yeah. Miss's four wins, it has allowed 60-plus points in just one of those wins. That one win is over Auburn, who scored 61 back in January. The nah, other three wins, take. <laughs> it's yeah, a push. There are, yeah, yeah, their other three wins are over Mississippi State, who scored 46 points, Yeesh. Texas A&M, who scored 50, and also Tennessee, who scored 50 as well. And what did that do to Mississippi State's morale to know that their in-state rival held them to 46 points? Oh, wait, that's I think that's happened yeah. in an Auburn-Alabama basketball game before. <laughs> I couldn't take that. <laughs> but I think Auburn won that one. I can't remember. But uh, I want to go back to what you said about clash of styles. You, you were spot on. Looking at Ole Miss and Auburn on KimPom.com. Of course, Auburn's got the edge and the overall rankings. Auburn's sitting at 58. Ole Miss sitting at 65. So not a big difference there. You talk about clash of styles here. Auburn's tempo continues to skyrocket. They're now up to 36th in the country in terms of pace of play, how many possessions they are having in the span of a 40-minute basketball game. And Auburn's sitting up there at 36th in the country. That's one of the faster teams. It's one of the fastest teams in the country. You know, that, that that's like... That's like being in the top three percent in your or your top ten percent or so of your graduating class when it comes out of high school. These guys are are placing at thirty six out of like three fifty in terms of speed. They got seventy two possessions a game. They play very fast. Ole Miss, on the other hand, uh, they're, they're 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 finishing at the bottom. You yeah, know, you got to scroll all the way down that list <laughs> to find them. They're at they're at three oh nine. They may or may not have graduated. Out of right? how many teams? <laughs> like three hundred and fifty something. Yeah, I think it's three thirty six. Man, that's bad. Yeah, that's bad. really bad. 
Well, I mean, they like to play that slow, but they that part of that is why their offense is so atrocious, though. I mean, you look at their offensive efficiency margin, which has got them at 129, and the SEC, for an SEC team to have a ranking there in like 129, that's not good. Most teams are top 100, even if they are subpar in one of those categories. Yeah, so Ole Miss, you know, said allowing so few points there. On the flip side here, sticking with the little Clash of Styles theme, in, all, in Auburn's four SEC wins, it has scored less than 88 points one time. That one was 66 over over Kentucky. And every other SEC win that Auburn has has been 88 points or more. Whoa. Yeah, 88 on Missouri, I think, 95 over Georgia, and 109 over South Carolina. Well, there's one I think we're missing, right? Auburn's won four conference games. Yeah, no, I said, I said the the one that doesn't fit that is 66. Oh, that's Kentucky. right. That's right. right. My bad. Missed you on that one. I've got another. I've, I, I Correcting what you said, there's 357 teams in college basketball. I'm wrong. Give me the power conference team. They are a power conference team. There's your hint. Give me, and this is pretty obvious, it, 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 and I know you're a big college basketball guy, so you should know this. They're dead last in the country in tempo, and who is it? Big team. They're ranked. Uh, oh, I, 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 think, I, say, I think I know this one, too. I know this one, too. I want to say Virginia. It is. Yeah, that was my guess. I was getting it last. <laughs> if it wasn't Virginia, I was going to say Wisconsin. So. But you know what's yeah, crazy what about that? Said. You know what's crazy about them being dead last? They are ninth in efficiency margin. They're ninth in these rankings overall. That's like, wild. They should make oh. Virginia basketball illegal. I don't want to watch <laughs> it's that. Wrong. It's awful. Like that in Wisconsin is so bad. To make those kids play that way, it wins. Uh, it wins. How does anyone enjoy it? They no, have 59 <laughs> possessions per game. Oh, That's hey, terrible. Hey, but you know what? It, you know what it resulted in? W's. And a, and a, okay, stop uh, that. No. You're about to enrage a lot no. of people. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm about to get mad just sitting here. <laughs> they were the best team hey. in college basketball that year, but they double dribbled. A faulty, a faulty win at that. I was there. I was in. I was there in Minneapolis. A faulty. Was win. that the same year that Nikel Roby Coleman did that, did that thing to y'all? Yes. <laughs> That's a tough a year month for apart, you. A month apart. I'm Imagine surprised, that. I'm surprised you haven't. Uh, <laughs> I am really surprised that as much as you hate kickers, I'm surprised you haven't channeled that energy towards officials. And oh all, no! I hate it. Oh, I absolutely can't. Take some accountability. Every everybody says, "Don't blame the refs." Blame the refs. Half the time they make. Yeah. Have you have you looked at SEC officiating? Since have this you man. looked at NFL officiating? It is consistently bad. It is consistently terrible. I, you know how I said Sony Michelle, most consistent guy in the NFL, because he's consistently garbage year in and year out. The refs are even more consistent because they are consistently garbage year in and year out. Blame Heat. the refs. Blame them. Blame the refs all you want to because they are terrible. And they have ego complexes where they always want to be in power. They're, and they oh, won't change. They won't change a wrong call even though they oh, know yeah, it's that's, wrong. That's why they wind that pass interference rule out of the league because they don't want to admit them wrong. Grow up. Yeah, tell Take us some you accountability. Yeah. Good Lord. Yeah, I'm, I am on board with that. <laughs> he is incensed. We might need to yeah. put him in timeout for a second. My thing is, I, I'm kind of getting on this topic with referees. Yeah, he does need to calm down. I think he's going to go for a drink of water. Um, my thing he's is, in the timeout corner. I'm curious as to why we don't have press conferences for officials. That's a great. Oh, that question. would be amazing. Why can't they come back and explain everything after games are over? And I know they're. I know these. You know these associations like the NBA, the NFL. You know whatever league it may be, they're trying to protect their refs, right? But you know, there's sometimes you know. And I think back to that perfect game that got ruined, and I know that umpire was, you know, I know he felt really bad about it. I know he did. 
and I can't remember what player was was in that. I would too if I if I cost to do a perfect game because there, there's only you know there's been less than thirty of those ever that have ever happened. You know that's horrible to to lose a perfect game that way. But like you know what, what can you do? Your hands are tied. I mean it, it happened. Like the game like goes down that way. But there's sometimes you miss egregious calls and it's like that that affected it. Like that was at the that was at the end of the Auburn Virginia basketball game. Like how do you miss that live? And you can't make that call. You can't make that you foul call. Yeah, I feel like in, in that game, in that situation, I don't feel like you can make that foul in the corner. Not in the Final Four. I want to circle back for I a second. I was okay with that call. I was like, yeah, it's a foul. I knew it, live it was a foul. It's I was a like, foul, that's a foul. It's, they it should have never gotten times, there. Yeah, it should have yeah, never it been. It shouldn't have been in that position is the issue. I know why they don't have should press It should have been con- Auburn basketball at that moment. I know why they don't have press conferences for refs. Because What's they're that? egotistical narcissists and they can't admit that they're wrong. Woo! Ouch. He's coming after it. I know a lot of nice referees. I know a lot of nice referees. Nah, show me one. <laughs> just, yeah. like, just like kickers. Get refs and kickers out of my game. He, he's going for total anarchy yeah. in, in, in NFL. I, woke up, order here, I woke up and I chose violence, violence. today. <laughs> <laughs> that is not good. That is not good. Is that you got anything else for us? I got some notes on Devontae Schuler, who is apparently he's still good. playing. He's he still is. playing for Ole Miss. I, I could have sworn last year Eight was years. last year. Yeah. Uh, he's scoring 12.4 points per game on Auburn. I feel like he always beats us or, you know, just has great games against Auburn. 14.9 points per game this year, 2020, 2021. Uh, 41% from the field. Not overly efficient, but that's fine for a guard. Yeah, that, and that's all I got. I mean, uh, he's shot 16.7% against Auburn from three, 30% total in their last meeting. Only had seven points against Auburn, so at least they had it. They had him this I think year. He had 10 assists, though. He did. Yeah. He did. <laughs> there, so he there made, he comes up, in he made up for the no buckets. <laughs> but, yeah, so. I, I didn't see that in the stat line. I saw two zeros because it's 10.0 on ESPN.com. And then and then intern Sting over here, he had 10 steals, though. It's like, oh, he, he accounted for like 27 points at least in, in that ball game. I don't know how I missed that. Yeah, he had a big game against Auburn last go around in terms of passing the basketball. Six foot two, one hundred eighty-five pounds, senior guard. Lance, you said eight years. This guy's just been here for four years. He's been here for a very. It feels like it's yeah, been so it's like much Riley longer. Norris He's been playing Alabama. since twenty seventeen. He's been here for a hot minute. He's been here for a while. You don't see that all the time in basketball. And those guys typically end up being. Uh, those guys typically end up being beast out there on the basketball floor by the time they reach year four. Real quick, I want to circle back for a second. You said Auburn was fifty eighth in the Kim Palm rankings. Yeah, just they, over- they they continued to go up actually. So, if I'm not mistaken, that means Auburn would technically be a tournament team, correct? If we're picking the 64 uh, best teams, net rankings are what or what's more important. But according, according to Ken Kim Palm, Palm, he's one of the best. They're one of the best 64 best teams in the country. That surprises. But me. amongst that group is also, you know, eight and six Georgia Tech, eight and seven Michigan State. Uh, let's keep going. Ten and five Davidson, who if they don't win their conference, isn't getting in. I mean, there's a lot of mid majors in here who are not getting in. That right. if they don't win their they don't win their league. Trying to think of another team like a power conference team that definitely shouldn't be a tournament team, but that's that's pretty ranked. Six and eight Penn State is thirty fifth in the rankings. So somebody's loving the the analytics there, but Penn State's six that's and eight the overall. Big 10. The Big Ten's a really good basketball conference this year. That's so really true. Good it's it's, it's the best conference in basketball. Oh, and consistently, definitely. it's at the top. Whether it's not number one, it, it'll be number two. It yeah, really doesn't drop a, further than that. With a down ACC this year, I mean, yeah, they, really down they're ACC. There's for the taking. It's so hard to predict who's the best in the Big Ten because then the best team in the Big Ten will go and lose to somebody. They all beat up yeah. on each other. They all beat up on each I mean, other. Michigan it's State's Michigan at eight and right seven. Where, well, Michigan is sitting at third in the Ken Palm rankings, thirteen and one overall. They've only lost okay. the one game. They lost to Minnesota 
at Minnesota's place. Oh, yeah. Them Minnesota. Golden Gophers. Oh, yeah. Minnesota. Oh, yeah. Minnesota is one of the most inconsistent teams in basketball, along with Illinois. And then you see Iowa go and lose to Ohio State last night. Now, I yep. believe Ohio State lost to Northwestern earlier this year. And Northwestern has been able to beat two or three top 25 teams, but they aren't even in the half, top half of the league. Yeah, Big Ten's it's deep. It's wild. Big Ten is deep. Loyola Chicago's up to 12, if anybody remembers those guys. Hey. Those cats are back, baby. And we'll be back on the other Wait. side of this break. On the line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and ESPN 106.7. You're on the line with Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, and Jaws. Wrapping up on the line here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. we got about eight minutes left in the show and before we get to our last topic which we've saved the best for last let's take a listen to what's on tv tonight a new episode of shark tank with some entrepreneurs believing they can keep your belongings germ free good luck shark tank on abc at seven the third installment of the born series is on amc at seven with the born ultimatum over on bbc head back to 1984 with ralph macchio and the karate kid on at seven aliens launch an attack on the human race battle los angeles is on ifc at 5 30 a look at the live sports schedule for tonight in college basketball it starts with maryland at penn state on fs one at six also at six akron at kent state on espnu and george mason at dayton on espn2 moving to eight we have two games monmouth at manhattan on espnu and boise state at nevada on fs1 in the nba you can catch the action with two games on espn at 6 30 raptors nets and at nine celtics clippers i'm noah gardner and that's what's on tv tonight Back on On the Line, Noah Garner, Levi Fitzwater, and Lance Dahl with you in the studio. We got a little bit left in the show here. Last segment on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Lance, we're putting you on the hot seat. It's go time because you have your hot takes. I'm here for them always. You've got a nice graphic on ESPN 106.7 on Twitter at ESPN 106.7 is where you can go and find it. This was posted yesterday, and some people are pushing back on you a little bit about this, but you gave us your way too early 2021 SEC predictions. You went through the schedule. You marked it up. Green pin, red pin, win, loss, and you went through it entirely, and you've got some hot takes in here. And uh, I, I'm excited to run through it here with you. Let's go through it then. You want me to read it off for you? You go, you go. All right, here we go. We'll we'll look first at the SEC East, and then we'll talk about the West to wrap it up. 12-0, and 8-0. You, you got Georgia doing the unthinkable, which is go undefeated. So you got Georgia there undefeated uh, at, at number one overall. Then at two, you got Florida at 10-2, 6-2. Third, Missouri at 10-2, 6-2. You got Kentucky at five and seven, three and five, finishing ahead of Tennessee at six and six, two and six. South Carolina at five and seven, two and six, and Vanderbilt at four and eight, one and seven. So of course everybody's there there are two questions I have here for you. Georgia undefeated and Missouri at 10 wins. That's going to be everybody's problems with this. Take me through it. Well, I'm looking at Georgia's schedule, and let's just kind of go through it here. They've got Miami, Mercer, and then at Florida, and I feel like That's Alabama. Oh, my, let me correct myself. They have Clemson at home, UAB, South Carolina, at Vanderbilt, and then Arkansas at home. And that's like the first half of their schedule. The only losable game is against Clemson. And that's going to be a neutral side game. You think they win? I think, I think Georgia takes that win. I don't think Clemson's defense is going to be able to reload. Um, then, then continuing on, at Auburn, Kentucky, Florida, Missouri at Tennessee, 
Charleston Southern, and then at Georgia Tech. I just I see one one losing game on that schedule, and that's Clemson. That's I, it. I can agree with that. But I can see Florida upsetting them, but Emory Jones ain't going to do it. I, I mean, I'm just saying, it, if we're yeah. talking about losable games, if Georgia is worse than we think maybe, they could lose to Florida, they could yeah. lose to Clemson. Maybe Auburn could pull the trigger finally this year. But those are the only three potential losses on the schedule. At worst, I think this team goes 9-3, and three, and there's a very good chance that this team goes undefeated with JT Daniels, in my opinion. All right, well, then take me through Missouri then, which I think is more of an indicator of their schedule than anything, not as much about them being actually a 10-win team. This could be, and I would agree with you here on the 10-2 part for Missouri, the worst 10-2 team we may have ever ever seen. I agree. It's This is completely not about Missouri being a good football team. It's just their, that their schedule is awful they get central michigan at kentucky southeast missouri at boston college tennessee and then north texas as the first half of their schedule that's easy undefeated, undefeated. going into a&m and which then is game seven a&m at home and the only reason i say missouri wins this game is because a&m doesn't have a quarterback or an offensive line right now if if a&m does not have the quarterback position figured out halfway through the season i think missouri takes this game easy then they go at vanderbilt at georgia which is a loss south carolina at home Florida at home, which is a loss, and then at Arkansas. So you got them losing two games right there at the end of the year where their where their schedule really beefs up a little bit. And by beefs right. up, they play the two good teams in their division. Right. <laughs> yep. Easy, easy ten and two. So here's my thing about Missouri, why I agree with you. Basilak, one of the few returning quarterbacks in this league, that means a lot. And you see a big jump in freshman to sophomore development or first year playing to second year playing. Basilak was I felt like pretty good all things considered with what he was dealing with at Missouri last year and that Missouri team was solid throughout the season I liked that team a lot they played hard they were like the Arkansas of the east that has got to play worse teams than Arkansas did and that's why their record looked better I think this Missouri team when you're talking about them uh, I don't think they'll win 10 games I'm with you it, like just marketing it off on paper they are better than 10 of the teams on their schedule I think just because of the way college football is and that I don't think this Missouri team is actually as good as a 10-win team is, they will find a way to lose to somebody that they shouldn't. We're, we're also not taking into the account, the, uh, account the fact that Vanderbilt may very well be undefeated uh, heading into the October 30th game. No way. What are you talking about? Undefeated Clark Lee National Championship. Uh, let's you're, go. Okay, now you're spewing. I'm here right. for it. I'm here for it. <laughs> no, let's no, go. Look, everybody, that was a joke. He's spewing inaccuracies here. They may be undefeated going into the third game of the season when they play Stanford. But after that, <laughs> all bets are off. They got Stanford, Georgia. They'll beat UConn. They got Florida. That first half of the season for Vanderbilt for Clark Lee. I mean, if he goes three and three, good start right I don't there. Think he beats Colorado State on the road. That's tough. That's that's, 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 pretty bad. that's actually a tough. That's game. pretty bad. That's actually right. a tough game. SEC West here. Before we got got to get out of here, you got about a minute and a half on this one. You got Alabama going undefeated. The hot take here is Ole Miss at number two. You're buying into the lane trade. You're all aboard it right now. Auburn at third with a nine and three record. LSU at fourth at eight and four. A and M at fifth at eight and four. Mississippi State at six at seven and five. And Arkansas last at three and nine and not winning a game. That's a little bit of a hot take too. Take me through here on Ole Miss because that this is one that I, I'm going to need selling on. Well, I feel like watching Lane Kiffin's offense perform last season and we got to see what he did against Alabama. I feel like there's going to be some kind of consistency heading into the 2021 season. I feel like Matt Corral is going to get better. He's not going to go throw 10 picks in a game. And with, with a guy like, again, you saw Pro Football Focus thinks Jerry and Ely is the fifth best uh, running back in the country I feel like this team's gonna gel a little bit and with the 18th uh, recruiting class in the country coming in I feel like we've got a little bit of a, a nice blend of talent experience and then some youth 
So and add the, to this, their schedule is pretty generous. You and know, their SEC East team that they get to place Tennessee. Right, right. We get Louisville, Austin P, Tulane at Alabama. That's a loss. Arkansas at Tennessee. LSU at home is very winnable. At Auburn, Liberty, A and M, Vanderbilt, and then at Mississippi State. I mean, you can go ten and two with with a decent with a really good yeah, offense. That's and a half not schedule. I mean, only losing to Alabama and Liberty seems very possible. I put Ole Miss in the same category that I just put Missouri. I don't trust the lack of a defense because I don't think they are going to rectify that from year one to year two without substantial recruiting classes. I, I Maybe it gets a little bit better, but I, I, I still think you're looking at a defense that's given up 27 a game at least. And then on the offensive side of the ball, they lost a lot of weapons. Matt Corral, who's he throwing to this year? You know, they've lost some guys on that side of the football. How does he react to that? Now, of course, Lane Kiffin has rejuvenated him and John Rice Plumlee's career. If anything, John Rice Plumlee has fallen behind Matt Corral substantially I think that that is going to be a positive for them, but same thing I said about Missouri. You know, I you know I think you're looking at one of the worst ten and two teams in college football at that point, and that's why I don't think that they're going to get to ten wins because they're going to lose to somebody they shouldn't somewhere along the way. Kiffin knows how to get the ball to his playmakers. I think that's going to make a huge difference. Sure, Lane Kiffin's going to make his money next year. That does it for another week of on the line. Appreciate you guys hopping on today, Levi Lance Daw. Appreciate you guys. We will see you guys again on Monday. The Drive with Bill Cameron following us. We'll see you on Monday. You know where to find us.